Welcome to the Creatives and Focus Podcast. Hi, I'm James Reed, fantasy author publishing under J&B Reed. Check out the first volume of my Epic 12 book fantasy series, Shadow of the Dragon. It's available for purchase. Today, I'm joined by Neil Herndon. He's the author of Star Runner, Journey Beyond. How are you doing today, Neil? I'm doing good. Yourself? Uh, yeah. Well, you know, my recliner just died, so <laughs> sure, sure. What I write on all day, so I don't know what I'm going to be, where I'm going to be working, because I can't sit on it. It's like really broke. That would okay. that would make the process a little difficult. Yeah, like I got up to get some coffee and I came back and like the reclining mechanism just had snapped or something. I don't know. I didn't hear any weird noises. I just yeah, you know, usually if the spring snaps, it, it kind of makes a loud pop. I don't know. I took a shower, I got some coffee, and then uh, I came back and it's, yeah, it's like broke. There's some spring sticking into the side of it. I don't know what is wrong. But I think it's telling you you should relax when you write. Maybe. I don't know. Well, anyways, I'd just like to start this out with a fun question or two. So, so uh, Neil, are you a Monday person? I'm not a not Monday person. I I usually just keep to my routine every day of the week, uh, regardless of what day it is. So I usually get up, come to the office, get a little early stuff done, whether it's whether it's Monday, Friday, Sunday. So you work like seven days a week or? Not quite. Usually okay. I try to keep it to just weekdays. Do you work for yourself? Yes. Okay. I was like... <laughs> You're like, yeah, I could be on like the Saturday. I'm like, huh. That is the plus side. I work from home. I I write full time. Uh, I have a publishing company, Tyburn Hill Media. Yeah, I also work from home in my office and I have a very comfy writing recliner. Or I did. (laughs) Well, you did. (laughs) I did. It was very comfy. Now I'm sitting at my computer desk chair, which is not so good because I have sciatica and I can't sit on this chair for like more than like 40, 50 minutes or I start to get pain in my leg. Sure, sure. how I started writing on a recliner. Well, I had to I had to get a nice office chair myself, so I totally understand. Yeah, just like sitting without my legs reclined is apparently it's not good because it like I don't know there's this little nerve in your that goes it's like your main nerve that goes into your leg it goes through your um, your pelvis. Yeah. And sciatica is when it gets pinched in there, and so it's just um you know. It's not really. Well, I've had some it. issues with that too, so I, I do understand. Yeah, but it's like as long as I don't sit for too long, it's fine. Even if I do sit for a long time, it won't get really bad. Like it got really bad when I just didn't understand why I was getting this horrible pain in my leg, mm-hmm. and I was just doing it day after day after day, not realizing that was the cause of it. Oh sure. So it got to the point where I could barely walk, and then my doctor's like, "Yeah, you can't just sit in a chair like <laughs> that. You gotta like keep your legs elevated and go and walk more, because that that's what fixes it. Like just walking around." <laughs> Right. So it's like being being a writer and not being able to sit for periods is always kind of an issue. But like I said, like the recliner, like having the eggs legs elevated, it changes something about how you sit, and it's not an issue any longer. Sure. And uh, and and a good padded chair will also mitigate it for a while, but like not forever. Not long enough. Not long enough to work all day. Anyways, that's enough about my problems. Let's talk about you. How long have you wanted to be an author? Uh, I've actually been an author, I, I would say on and off for quite a long time. I actually started in uh, elementary school. The state of Illinois has a really amazing program called the Young Authors Conference. And uh, when I was in elementary school, they they 
I think that's when it started. Um, but one of the first few years, they had the whole school participate, kind of one of those uh, voluntary mandatory things. Um, I didn't win that year, but I've been pretty much writing ever since then. I've had a really vivid imagination as a childhood, and and I am fortunate that that continues. Um, and then as time went on, and I, I you know wrote and imagined more. I actually did win win the uh, the school's nomination. I guess is the right word to go to the conference uh, a few times, and that just kind of spurred things from there, and started writing more and more, and uh, eventually got a uh, bachelor's degree in writing, and now I have a master's degree in creative writing. Oh yeah, that's cool. Like, what type of schooling does it take to get a master's degree in creative writing? As someone who never went to college, you know. Sure, sure. Um, I did. Um, I was actually able to find a, a really good online course, but a lot of it is just, I would say, similar to to an English class, but leaving out some of the fundamentals and getting more into the the in depth and the the how tos and the the really nuanced of of what it takes to write and things like that. It's it's really interesting. I I really enjoyed it. There were a number of uh, uh, critique style classes where we would all. Uh, submit chapters or short stories. Everybody would read them and kind of point out the good, the bad, and things like that. And it was it was really nice. I I really loved that kind of process to be able to have others read my work and uh, help me become a better writer. I, I always think that that's what that is. Is that if you can poke holes, it makes me better because I have to figure out how to fix them. Uh, unfortunately, not everybody thought that the way they were. There were a few people who who kind of took critiques as as personal. And it's like, no, this is about the work. This is we're all trying to be better. Uh, we're, we're trying to learn the nuances. We're trying to learn the mechanics and having somebody point out those errors helps you do that. And it, it's a lot of, you know, there was learning about uh, a lot of the mechanics. We had a class on pitching to publishers that was really interesting. It was it was literally setting up a a work to get pitch packages and things like that sent off to uh, real publishers. They did have courses in in poetry and nonfiction things like that. So it was it was a really lovely program. Okay, cool. Yeah, I um that's book at uh, some college creative writing classes a few years ago. More like, I think, six or seven years ago, actually, as I think about it. Because uh, one of my author friends, who's, like, pregnant, now her kid's, like, sick. So, yeah, it's been a while. But, like, none of, them had, yeah. none of them had any idea about, like, the the publishing process, like, the query process or the, the pitching and all that stuff. They just, yeah, they weren't teaching it at that particular program. No, and it, it was really nice. Well, an undergrad probably wouldn't do that, but the master's program, they did get into the, <laughs> yeah, well, into we, the pitch process and things we like spoke that. So I don't know what level it was, but it was at, like we spoke at like the the intro to creative writing class, which was you know a bunch of just um kids looking for easy credits for the most part. Oh yeah, that's definitely. But we we but we we talked to the advanced class. I don't know exactly, but that was the one where there really were people there who wanted to be authors and stuff. Sure. And they were very like they had questions. They were very like one group was just like oh yeah whatever we have some guest speakers, and the other group was very interested to learn what we had. Oh so, sure. But they had no idea about any of it. A lot so, of people don't. It's it's that's the problem. It's kind of a complex system. Yeah, yeah. And so we were just three like indie authors, so who had gone through the attempt at doing the query process to publish. So we learned. 
And then yeah. we're like, okay, weird. So then we were there to talk also about like indie publishing and stuff like that. And well, and that's one reason why I did go into indie publishing and start my own house because it was it was a lot easier, you know, having you know training and editing and training and writing. It was it was easier because there was I would look at some of the smaller publishers and it's like my work is better than what you guys have. This would be this is exactly what you're asking for, but you don't want it. Like, well, then I'll just publish it. And thankfully, Amazon has been really lovely with with the the Kindle program and allowing people to to publish their work. Some days yeah. I wish they had a little bit of a filter, but you know, it, it's been nice being able to do that and being able to to talk to people about it and go over things and even to just be able to to edit for other people has been has been nice as well. Yeah, my editor just sent me back a book. He's like, well, here's some plot holes, and also. You had your character do this and it was super cringe. Don't fix that. She's like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I have to like fix it, but I still need like part of it there because it it was setting up something. Well, and so, that's always the challenge. Yeah. So I got to like learn is figuring out how to fix that properly. Yeah. And so I got to just figure out how to take out the cringe part. But I need I need part of it as as set up for what's going on with a different character. So like I can't I can't just delete it. Which would be the easy solution because it, it's other than what it sets up, it's really like the cringy part's not necessary. That that whatever that can go. I just need to keep the emotional response it provoked in a different character. Right. But you know that's that's writing life. It's, that that is that is that is always the challenge is finding that is staying on that balance beam of trying to make sure that you have everything you need and and nothing you don't. Yeah, I mean I've got a lot better about that. My first series, I've some of those novels were like rewritten and gutted and ditched back together uh you know sure but they're always better after that process yeah so i different. mean i had like my i had like two main characters in the series and one of the characters just became passive in her story i didn't realize it and someone read it and it's like like they don't do anything they're just there along for the ride so i had to like go over and like basically it's like there was just like she found there's like a spy on board and instead of her like uncovering the secret she just stumbled into the secret and so and so it was very more a surprise, but it also left her not doing anything during the parts where I'm setting it up because she's not right. like picking up on these clues that I'm laying because um, she's being passive. <laughs> and so I was like, all right, I made it. I made it an active one. And then weirdly, I had to flip which character was the spy because um, then I was like, well, if she's like onto the person that the clues are there about, and then they're not the, and then they actually are the spy, then that's just that's not satisfying. So what if there's like there's these red herrings? that and then it was someone else and so i flipped it around <laughs> oh sure so, so i had uh, like one character who got killed in the original draft because he was bad now lives because he's no longer the spy and it's this other character <laughs> that gets killed oh yeah so they're well, minor they're i i kind of have something similar where i have uh in my sci-fi series um which is uh star runner uh one of the main characters mia was always you know, she was pretty gung ho. She was always very forward, a strong female type. I, I always love writing that. I uh, love to see it. But now that the series has gone on for several books, she's kind of mellowed out. She's gotten a little bit older. She's not as active, uh, which, you know, part of me was like, do I need to go? Do I need to look at that? And it's like, no, you know what? She's getting older. She's there's not as much going on. The war is over. She doesn't need to be like, all right, let's go do this. You know, that that was the nice thing where it's like, OK, so she can kind of sit back, watch her husband work. And it's just like, 
it's finding that balance is making sure that when characters do slow down, that it actually does work within the story. And I'm just hoping that I've been able to, to do that. So yeah, that no. it's not something where it's like, why is she no longer that way? This is because she still acts and talks the way that she always did. And that's, that was always important, but she's just not as, as forward about everything as she used to be. Yeah. But in, no, I guess look, she's also like 20. And uh, by the time she's done in this, like by the time she's not as critical, she'll be, you know, probably like late forties. Yeah, so it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, she's, she, she can slow down a little bit. It's okay. Yeah, no, I, I kind of know. It's like, um, I'm in this, I'm five books into a seven book series. And uh, so like, uh, and it's basically been split into two storylines because uh, mm-hmm. my characters split up. And so in one, at the end of book four, one of the storylines ended in a place where they get a breather, but the other one didn't. And so, like, I have this one character that's got all this stuff going on. And the other ones, I'm starting out their part now because I finished writing the the shorter of the two ones because there's less, like, the main characters there. So right. I just Because they're not impacting each other at the moment, so I can write them separately without really... I don't, like, their actions aren't going to cross over for a while, so I don't need to worry about... You know, I can just write the entire thing straight and, and sure. just sort of knit the chapters together how I kind of feel that they should flow. And then I come back to this one and they're like, yeah, they really just had this be there. They just had this big battle They're, You know, they spent the last book just running for their lives with like this refugees, like being chased by these monsters. And they finally like stopped it and they saved the day and they're at these breather. And I'm trying to get in, into their storyline. I'm like, man, I'm do I need to do a like setup again for like what's coming. Mm-hmm. And it's and I'm just kind of like, oh, this is not it's kind of like necessary stuff, but I kind of feel a tad it's a tad boring. I'm not well, so that. far you've got, I mean, it sounds <sighs> like there's some great duality going on where it's, it's one story is calmed down and the other one yeah. is ramped yeah, up but and that's just, a really lovely parallel. It, it and is. That's and fantastic so, to see. And it's letting me, it's letting me work on like some character relationships. Like there's like two characters that I've been wanting to get into a relationship and they mm. kind of just really couldn't develop it because they really were just like, they're starving, they're, they're exhausted. They're, you know, every day they're fighting. There just isn't time for them to like progress the relationship really outside of just small little things sure um you know and some like little character conflict that i i threw in there but um but yeah so now i'm able to slow things down deal with some character stuff and i just need to get through these early chapters because i'm like okay come on and i'm like i need i need them to go like i need some of these characters to go do some diplomacy stuff i'm like oh this is this is kind of like it's like necessary and then i'm like oh i want to make this more necessary so now i've just invented this annoying prince that i'm going to inflict on my characters Oh, fun. And then he's going to, and then I'm like, oh, and I need to do something with him. So now I think I'm going to turn him into like a vessel for an evil being. And he's going to become like, I don't know, something bad, maybe. Well, that so, could be interesting. Yeah, that'll be fun. So he'll just get like, he'll get possessed and turn into like an avatar or something for the bad guys. Because I, I just took out like one of my like characters that ha- happened to where they kind of got possessed by the bad guys. And then they kind of managed to break free and sacrifice himself at the end of the fourth book. Sure. And so, okay, I need another, maybe I need another villain POV. It's well, a problem. That gets bad, so that, that would definitely work. Yeah, but anyways, let's talk about Star Runner, and that's actually your book. Um, so there's a friend of this character, already forgotten her name, but there's also Simon Rigel, I guess he's your main character for Star Runner. Yes, he is. He's out to, like, find his father, I guess he's on a mission to find his father, and let's talk about Simon and his quest, and it's a sci-fi series. It is, yes. It is. Let's talk about Simon, what makes him a great character, what makes his story so engaging for readers and stuff like that. I like him. uh, There's a lot of things that I really enjoy about Simon. When the very first book starts, uh, he's actually given up for adoption. 
Um, and he's raised back on Earth. It's sci-fi. It's it's a big space opera series. Uh, but he's raised back on Earth. And then on his 21st birthday, gets a call because the military has has finally found him. Uh, he's got what is called a marker. And it's this it's a small little coin with alien technology in it. And it denotes people who are uh, in service of the the grand galactic fleet called the hand of justice and has no idea what it is until he touches it a certain way and then everything kind of starts and before that you know he had always been one of those kids who kind of looks up to the stars and and loves the night sky and and imagines what it would be like to be out in space um that kind of you know pull to to something that calls you from a far off place but as a person he was he's a he's an artist and has always been that. And the realization that this painter now has to go off and join the war was that was really, really interesting. And it was a, a kind of a jarring thing. So not only is he an orphan, but he's been kept from this half of his life and has to now relearn everything and, and become a part of the galactic society that he hasn't really known. Because with everybody's home planet and him growing up on Earth, everything is really kept safe kept separate uh it's it's you know visitors can come and maybe a few shopkeepers can be around but you know everybody's home planet is safe it's always sacred it's always not quite off limits but it's not touched in any serious ways by the conflict so it's not something that he experienced with the exception of uh while he was you know late high school thinking about college his cousin considered going into the Marines, going into the service to fight. And with Simon feeling such a draw to the stars and feeling like his home was somewhere other than Earth, he actually was was going to join the military and be in the infantry. Unfortunately, his cousin did not come back alive. And, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, well, it's I still want to go, but I'm glad that I didn't follow suit. And it turns out that he's he's a part of this really elite fighting force, the Hand of Justice. And knowing that because he was adopted and doesn't know what his his birth who his birth parents are, um, it leads him to want to find out where they are. Uh, because what happens is they were actually looking for his father, who is a war hero, uh, who flies a very specific ship called the Star Runner. They're looking for the captain, and it turns out that the Rigel family line is the captaincy. So they wanted his father. Okay. Except they can't find his father. So not only does the military want to find him, but Simon wants to find him as well. And so the the first book is a lot of getting into the war called the Galactic Strife, um, seeing both sides a little bit. We see the the other side of the war a little bit more in book two. Uh, so we really get that kind of duality in what's going on, but it's also this sh- this search for what's what's going on behind the scenes, what's been happening, where are his parents, what has happened, why have they just suddenly disappeared? And so you've got this kid who grew up on Earth who's now thrust into the galactic landscape, who's you know now he's a painter, but now he's got to become a pilot who had some really lovely parents but now has to find his birth parents and it's 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 fish out of water on so many levels but it's 
it's a lot of things where it, it's it's interesting because it's about how does he react and how does he deal with all of this new and how can he go from just average citizen, even if he's done some really, really famous artwork, um, how can he do that and then just switch over his mind? And it turns out he doesn't do it very well. Um, and that's what that's another thing that I really like about him is he doesn't just go right into the all right, let's kill the enemy, boys is you know he actually is like well let's let's try to save people instead let's try to prevent war let's try to do what we can to stop this we don't need to be killing anymore because he has his cousin as an example we don't need to be leaving families in tatters what can we do to stop this and there's so many people who are like well we need to stop the enemy but that's not the only way to end a war and you get this dynamic between the people who'd want to do it the conventional way versus this fresh new set of eyes who doesn't see the conflict in the same manner. And it it kind of throws everyone off their game in a way. So some of the people on the ship take to him. Some, some of the people don't quite know what to do with him. And the military definitely doesn't know what to do with him. It, it's really fun to write his story and have it unfold. So, like, where did you hit on the idea of, like, having him be um, adopted? That I just I don't want to say it was just kind of a random thing, but uh, it was it's it was a way I needed to have somehow to get him into the fight from being a, an average civilian to a pilot in the military. And it was it was really a struggle in the beginning, but then it, it became, well, what if his parents gave him up? for safety because if they're in the military uh and his mother you know being on a on a warship maybe she was in danger maybe his father feared for her so you know decided well maybe we should give the child up for a time and you know some time you know a short amount of time became 20 years and it was just a way it's it's kind of a way of of allowing him to have that inciting incident but it's also got some really good it it causes some internal conflict and external conflict as well, because it allows a lot more interesting things to happen. Because when he, you know, when he finally does meet his parents and see his father and and figure out what happened before he was born and when he was when he was an infant, it it really allows for a lot of depth and a lot of emotion to come out. Because he spent all these years looking, and now it's like, oh well. You know, in the beginning, he didn't know who his parents were. So he just kind of had that. Well, I was just given up for adoption. I've got great parents now, but I was given up for adoption. You know, that kind of, you know, don't know who your parents are. Don't know what happened to them, which happens to a lot of people. And then to find out, it's like, oh, no, they weren't actually just random people who didn't want kids. There was a reason. We just don't know what that reason was. Okay, and it, cool. it, it just kind of developed from the idea of how do we get him in the war? Yeah, no, it sounds like a, a great story. If you want to let our listeners know where they can connect with you on like social media and stuff. You can find me directly on Facebook. Just search my name or you can search for uh, Tyburn Hill Media. Uh, our website is TyburnHillMedia.com. All of the books that I've published, the Star Runner series, um, the Oddity Academy series, which is a YA series book, uh, that's all on Amazon. Um, and I actually did just launch a uh, YouTube channel for how-tos for writers, kind of a writer's guide to writing called Wordplay Wizardry. And you can look that up on YouTube. I don't have a ton of social media. Um, I may need to get a little more into that. But on those different platforms, you can always, always find me. 
All right, cool. Well, it was really great talking with you, Neil. It was great talking with you as well. Yeah, you have yourself a good one. You as well, and I hope you get your chair fixed. Yeah, well, I have to find out if they'll honor my claim or whatever. Well, you take care. You as well. This has been Creatives in Focus. You can follow my books on Amazon under JMD Read, or join my readers group, Fantastic Worlds of the Imagination, on Facebook to keep up with news and releases.